WP Talk, the Wealth Professional Podcast. Only 25% of working Canadians are very confident in their retirement income. Are your clients confident that they'll have enough? Retirement income insights, solutions and expertise for the new retirement reality from McKenzie Investments. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of WP Talk. I'm your host, James Burton, Managing Editor of Wealth Professional Canada. For this episode, it's my pleasure to welcome Philip Peterson, Chief Investment Strategist at IG Wealth Management. Now, while our previous pod with Rob Tetro looked back on 2021, Philip has just released his outlook for 2022. So we hit on all the hot topics from inflation, central banks, portfolio implications, and I heard what's happening on the front line when he speaks to advisors. I start by asking Philip about his recent move from Manulife. Okay, Philip, so before we maybe get into the outlook and looking ahead to 2022, you obviously made quite a big personal career move recently. Maybe if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners um, just a little bit about sort of why you made the switch to IG. Certainly. And James, you know, first, thank you for having me on. really appreciate the time to, to speak to you again. Um, it, it's been an interesting environment, I guess, through COVID and the lockdowns. Um, and it's funny, you hear the phrase, the great resignation, where so many individuals have changed jobs, you know, not perhaps because they, uh, any reason uh, with their employer, but I think there are just opportunities that came about and people were just so tired of working from home that any change was a good change. That wasn't necessarily the case for me, to be honest with you. It was, it was uh, just the situation that IG um, and I started speaking a while ago. And this is a company I've known investors group in its you know, former iteration uh, or branding for many, many years. So it, really, you couldn't be in this business without knowing who IG was. Um, and their reputation as a leader in financial planning was something that I was really excited to be a part of. Now, what I bring to the table is the investment strategy side of things, but investment strategy is part of the whole financial plan. Uh, and so just the the opportunity to work with what I considered to be a leader in the Canadian wealth management, um, a company that that I've followed for years, a um, couple individuals that I know very closely at the company as well. So I had an opportunity to work with some people again. That was really it. That was the draw. Uh, and it's been fantastic, I have to say. And we mentioned off air, you know, transitioning into a new company during the virtual, the virtual uh remote way of working how's that been i mean you've probably seen barely two three people face to face it's it's been really interesting i have to say first i think uh that ig wealth did a fantastic job in introducing me to everyone in the company even though it was virtual you still had an opportunity to talk to people to get to know them on a personal level to understand the business so while it hasn't been in the flesh um, it's been over a screen. It's it's been good. It's it's been you know surprisingly you get to know people quickly even if it's only virtually and so it's been very welcoming. This is the, the culture has been fantastic um, to be a part of 
Um, but it has been, as you said, it has been a little bit different from, you know, face-to-face meetings. You maybe go, you grab a coffee, grab lunch. Hasn't been any of that, but that, that I look forward to in the, uh, in the coming months. Excellent. Well, I wish you wish the best of luck in your new role, Philip. This this I would guess then is your first your first outlook for your for your new employer. Um, there's there's as always there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things that people uh, want to know about uh, seeking guidance heading into the new year. So many balls in the air given um, given us emerging hopefully from the pandemic, but. I'm going to dive in on like maybe maybe the arguably the hot, hottest topic, and that's inflation. Um, how does that that inflation piece play into how you see 2022? Well, I think inflation is one of the key themes about 2022. It's going to force a lot of decisions, in, in particular with central banks, uh, Bank of Canada or the Federal Reserve in the United States. It's really going to force them to think about their policy, their, their monetary policy going forward, because the transitory inflation narrative that they had been clinging to, at least through the first half of the year, now it seems that even Jay Powell at the Federal Reserve is saying, we should probably put that term to rest. Um, they're acknowledging that inflation is going to be a little bit more persistent, that it's trending, I would suggest, well above what they thought when they set out the policy saying we're comfortable with inflation trending higher for a period of time, I don't think they meant you know four, five, six percent that we've seen over the past number of months. But that's the reality that we're in. So I think one of the overriding themes for 2022 is inflation that is going to be more persistent, and we know now not transitory. At what level it sets in is still up for debate. Is it two and a half percent, three and a half percent, or higher than that? Not sure. I, I'm leaning a little bit more towards three and a half percent at least through the first half of the year, and then we'll see in the back half of the year if if the economic forces are enough to keep inflation at that level or higher. But it's going to it's it's going to trigger a change in in central bank policy, uh, an acceleration of rate normalization and acceleration of bond purchase tapering that the market is only just getting ready for now. So that's an interesting one, right? Because interest rates, they're always top of the sort of fear list, if you like, in terms of um, you know, how advisors look ahead and what, and what they factor in. You, are are enough people ready or understanding that that schedule is likely to be moved up? Now, given that inflation scenario you've described, I think it's becoming more of a reality. I think there there's been this hesitancy, and it's the old adage: "Don't fight the Fed." So, if the Fed was saying transitory, there were so many individuals out there, so many investors that were were just willing to accept the Fed's posture on it and say, "Well, if the Fed says it's transitory; it must be transitory." We know now that that's not the case. Investors are going to have to rethink their approach to interest rates over the course of the next year. Because as you said, interest rates are are one of the key elements to investing overall, not only to fixed income, but also to equities. The, the prevailing inflation and interest rate environment rolls into valuations. 
um, and and how to value growth in in companies on a go forward basis. That growth that that you might might have priced in say six months ago might not be worth quite as much in a higher inflation, higher interest rate environment. So you can see impacts to valuation. You can see impact to growth. You can see impact to margins as a result of higher interest rates. And obviously you can see impacts to the value of bonds. So I'm not, I don't want to set the stage to say that 2022 is going to be a disappointing year or a challenging year, but these are nuances that we often have to consider and it will have an impact on asset allocation over the course of the next year. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, setting the stage, you're not going to set the stage for a disappointing year, but one of the recurring stories that's certainly featured in Wealth Professional and elsewhere is that, you know, maybe advisors need to speak to clients about just sort of calming expectations on in terms of returns for 2022, that, you know, that these good times we've had since, uh, at least in the markets anyway, since, since March, 2020, they can't go on forever. Is that something that you think advisors should be wary of um, at the turn of the year? Yes, I think setting expectations is very important. Uh, we've been spoiled. When I look at the data, it was a 23-day bear market from February 19th to March 23rd. Then we saw a 103-day recovery, which was pretty phenomenal. I mean, that's not typical following a bear market, not that this was a normal bear market. It was quite exceptional. And then the market just continued to trend higher from there. We haven't had a correction of uh, the typical definition of a correction being a drop of more than 10%. We haven't had that since the bear market in March of 2020. So the market's really been moving only one way since then. Um, It's benefited investors. I think anyone that has been in the market during that period uh, has done quite well. And we can be spoiled to that. Uh, result. And and we can think that, oh, well, why couldn't the markets keep going up another 20% in 2022? But as you point out, I I think it's unlikely that we can see returns that strong. And there are a number of reasons why. Again, not saying that we're due for a, a negative return in 2022. That's not my base case. My base case is going to look somewhat more average uh, or, or slightly below. We're looking in the mid to upper single digits for return in equities for 2022. Let's use the S&P 500 as our benchmark. and The TSX, I think, will, will be closely in line with that. Uh, but the reasons for that are, are a couple. One, we're entering a transition in the market cycle where you get a handoff in the driver of performance from valuation to earnings growth. Now, we saw that already this year. Typically, when you have an earnings-driven market, your returns tend to be below average. And I'm using average at 11%. So below, uh, we're we're looking at returns somewhere in that mid to upper single digit range. Um, When you, you see... PMIs, manufacturing indices in the United States, peak above 58, your one-year forward return tends to be below average. Um, when when inflation starts to move up, your PE multiple uh, starts to be compressed and your return tends to be below average. So there's so many different uh, historical precedents for the environment that we're going into 2022 to suggest that it's going to be another positive year. I would love to say you know, we, we have expectations of 20%, but I just don't think that's realistic. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, it's going to be, uh, it's more likely to be in the mid to upper single digit range. The good news is what typically drives negative markets, which is recessions, we don't see any evidence 
uh, any meaningful evidence of a recession uh, coming inside of the next 12 to perhaps as, you know, 24 months. Okay. And you mentioned there, uh, you alluded earlier to asset allocation. I wondered, you know, what do you say to, to advisors who are, they're obviously digesting a lot of this information. I mean, how, how do you prepare for the scenarios that you've sort of laid out? Well, the good news is even if the markets are up, say, 5 6 or 7%, that's still a bull market, right? Um, yeah, that, that's something that we shouldn't discount. Uh, if we do see opportunities within equities on a go-forward basis, then take advantage of it. If we see headwinds coming from the fixed income environment, well, you know, position yourself accordingly. So similar to what we saw in 2021 as interest rates moved up and bond returns were much more lackluster or outright disappointing in, in some cases, I think 2022 is, is going to be like that it's going to be a replay of that um yeah the, as the fed starts to acknowledge inflation and act against it raising um raising rates and raising expectations of further rate increases to come then i think bond returns are going to remain mediocre even if you see equity returns in the again mid single digit range it's going to be two to three times i think what you could get out of bonds so that's attractive yeah you know, on the upside it's it's attractive upside um, and if we think over the course of a full 12 month span that yes, we can get a correction, but you know, point to point, I think there's a high probability that we're going to see a positive return. Then it's worth from an asset allocation perspective, remaining skewed towards equities or overweight equities relative to bonds, um, and taking advantage of the continued bull market. So I've got some other other sort of topic areas I want to ask you about, Philip. But maybe maybe you're you're on the front line speaking to advisors, um, and you're obviously with in the industry there. What are you hearing uh, in terms of the concerns amongst advisors? What questions are you being asked the most about with regards to 2022? Well, inflation is one, and we've talked about that. And a lot of investors are, are uh, many investors actually do remember inflation in the late 70s and early 80s. And so the question immediately is, well, how do we protect ourselves against inflation? Um, and one of the easy ways to do that is, well, minimize the amount of cash that you're holding. Uh, inflation is is just evil to cash. Uh, you just are going to lose purchasing power at a very, very quick pace. So equities actually are, are a good inflation hedge. And there are other asset classes that you can, you can own um, alternatives, uh, Precious metals, so, so on, to to act as a hedge against inflation. Um, not that I think we're going to have runaway inflation at all. Um, I think inflation is going to remain, uh, yeah, I think reasonable. You know, again, if, if it's three and a half percent, I think that's manageable inflation. Um, the other question that that a lot of clients have been asking about is actually cryptocurrencies, okay. and it, what role do they have within a portfolio? And that's one. You'll be honest with you, James. I I don't know uh, fully. I don't have the answer for that. Uh, um, I think we're still learning a lot about you know, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies out there. To for for me to offer any advice in terms of what position it should hold in a portfolio is a tricky one because you know, I tend to look at um, investments as a vehicle that generates an income. Whether that be a dividend, whether it be earnings, whether it be interest, whether it be you know uh, rental income, whatever it might be, 
and I struggle to see the, the income potential out of out of crypto. I think right now it's it's you know, more speculative. Not saying that it can't have a role in someone's portfolio, but I think you really have to measure the weight in that portfolio to the risks that uh, that we see in the day to day swings in the price of of cryptocurrencies. Uh, but those would be two of the more uh, more common questions that I've received over the last little while. Okay, that's interesting about the crypto. I wonder whether we're at the start of it becoming more legitimate. Maybe if more advisors are asking about it, it it's a great question. It's one yeah you know, I, I I continue to struggle with it. I, on the yeah. one hand, if if people are asking about it, it, it seems to be a little bit herd mentality, right? right yeah. um, it's my neighbor has made a lot of money on it. Maybe I should be getting into it. <laughs> And, yeah. and I always, whenever I'm asked about it, I say, well, what's the reasoning to buy it? Is it hopes that it's just going to go up in value? Um, yeah, because then it, it can become uh, sort of the greater fool theory that if you can't really assign a value to it, all you're doing is hoping that someone else is going to come by and pay you more for it than you paid. Yeah. And you, know, you, could, you could do that with anything, artwork, wine, jewelry, whatever you might might be but that doesn't mean that it's a good investment yeah that's true um switch gear slightly um maybe focusing on canada a bit um obviously a lot of uh a lot of investors will will have exposure to to whether it be energy um you know oil financials what's your thoughts about uh, how we're looking on the home front I think in 2022, Canada is positioned to deliver here another uh, attractive year. And, and I actually think the risks are to the upside in Canada relative to the performance potential in the United States. Uh, and the reason being, it's interesting when, when you mention energy and financials, those have been two sectors that have driven performance for the TSX in 2021. Obviously, oil prices moving up from I think it was in the mid 40s to currently they're they're just hovering below seventy dollars a barrel, uh, but did reach a high of mid 80s, um, and I think can get back there. So oil has been uh, one strong factor to the TSX when oil prices are up significantly year over year. The TSX tends to do well, and then financials obviously being 32 percent of our benchmark, you need financials to do well to have uh, have a strong performing index, and this has been a good environment for the banks in Canada, as interest rates have started to nudge higher, as the economy has rebounded, um, the banks have done quite well. Uh, and now the fact that they are able to increase dividends, buy back shares, that's a benefit to investors. So I don't see this stopping at the turn of the calendar. I actually think that oil prices can continue to see upward pressure into 2022 as the global economy continues to recover and open up. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see oil prices perhaps getting closer to $100. That's not, again, that's not my base case. I have a very wide range. I've learned, James, over the years that oil is notoriously difficult to forecast. So a, a good range is, is a good starting point. <laughs> yeah. um, so my range is 70 to 110. But but again, you know, I think the risk is more to the upside than to the downside. Yeah. Um, with uh, so that that bodes well when oil prices are up year over year, TSX does well. When we look at the financials, if I see a uh, an interest rate environment in 2022 where rates are higher, the Bank of Canada is is increasing interest rates and the yield curve perhaps steepens, 
Well, this is good for the banks. In a strong economic environment where loan growth is is attractive, uh, net interest margins are widening out, um, and the banks are increasing dividends. You know, th- these two sectors that have been kind of the darlings of the TSX in 2021, I think, can repeat in 2022. Now, I'm always I'm always hesitant to say that. So because you know, the top two sectors or, or two of the top sectors in one year don't often repeat in the next year. But again, I don't think this stops December 31st. I think these trends are a little bit more uh, longer lasting. So as as we're chatting, the, the ink is is fairly dry on your on your outlook. And yet we are also faced with the possibility of another variant um you know i just want to touch on sort of geopolitical risks and um maybe um the pandemic that is continues to kind of hover over us i mean what's your thoughts first i guess on the on the variant and the prospect of that derailing the economic recovery it's it's always a risk, uh, and you know I'll throw in the the standard disclaimer: I am not a medical professional, um, nor do I play one on TV. But um, it's it's a risk that we have to consider in terms of the ep- economic ramifications. What if economies have to lock down again? Uh, what if you know, uh, central banks and governments have to kick in with additional monetary and fiscal stimulus to ride out the the variant storm? Um, as it were. Um, I actually don't think that that is as big of a risk to our outlook in 2022 because we've been through it two or three times already. We know what the outcome is. uh, And there's still a lot of information coming out about Omicron um, that we don't know. Is is it truly more contagious? Is it milder or is it uh, a more severe illness? we don't know yet. Uh, I'm hoping for the best, but we have seen this play out you know, over the last two years. And I would describe it this way. Any, any variant event is going to be more disruptive to the global economy than destructive. And that's key uh, because a destructive event is, is a loss of capital, a permanent loss of capital, uh, where you're setting the clock back or the economic clock backwards. Here, what we've seen is the economy just hits pause for a period of time. And then once you lift your finger off that pause button, it roars ahead. Uh, And and I think this is what a lot of economists perhaps learned in terms of the error of of their thinking the first go around, where they said there was going to be scarring on the economy, this would be very bad. Um, We were going to have a a square root-shaped recovery and it's been you know, a strong V-shaped recovery, you know, V for vigor, um, since. And so I don't think there's any reason to th- to believe that we would see a different type of scenario. So that's not the the risk that I, I really am focused on too much. I think some of the other risks, though, when you say geopolitical, I think yeah. there are some risks there. Um, what one China get will get your attention on that front? Yeah, well, from an economic perspective, we have seen China slow down. A little bit uh, because of some of the lockdowns, because also they have been removing or reducing um, the credit impulse or the amount of debt that they're putting through the economy, which can tend to create you know, waves of economic strength. Uh, that's one that I've been watching. 
because uh, this is the second largest economy in the world. It's meaningful. If they slow down in a meaningful way, it will be felt in the United States, Europe, Canada, and so on. It's it's not a risk, uh, a high probability risk at the moment, because it looks like China is going to go through another credit impulse, you know, increasing the amount of, of debt and and you know residential construction and so on to keep the economy moving forward. Um, and it is a well-run economy, so I'm I'm not overly concerned about that. But it's something that you have to always be watching for. Uh, the other other issue that I, I really don't think is being talked much about out there is what's happening uh, in Eastern Europe between Russia and the Ukraine. Um, there, I think you are seeing a little bit more geopolitical risk emerge. Um, it, 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 I don't know what's <laughs> how it's going to end, but that that could be disruptive as well um, and can spook investors a little bit. We'll see. Ultimately, it doesn't change my 2022 outlook. Um, I think the I'll just throw on a third risk, and again, I would say this is a low probability risk. It's often what you don't see coming that uh, they have to worry about, and those are harder to identify. But I would say the third risk could be if inflation uh, not only is persistent but persistent at much higher levels, uh, and then the central banks being behind the curve as they are really have to accelerate um, the removal of of the stimulus. Um, and, and that could, you know, spook the markets in terms of valuation. You get a deeper valuation correction, you know, growth perhaps slows down because they have to raise rates much faster. Um, again, low probability event, not my base case. Um, but that's one of the other things that I would be watching for. Yeah. Okay. So one of the questions that uh, always strikes a chord with, uh, with advisors and and PMs is, is where the opportunities might be. You know, that's obviously the million dollar question from for many people but you know from from your your vantage philip um big picture where where do you see the event where do you see the opportunities uh, for investors well i think i think it's stayed the course really i think a lot of it is is what worked in 2021 i think will continue to work just at a muted pace in 2022 uh, the one the one nuance to that would be, I think, diversification by valuation will be important. Meaning, in 2021, valuation almost didn't matter. You know, stocks that had you know, ridiculously high valuation continued to move up. I think that's going to start to change in 2022. And it's not only stock-specific, but it's going to be index-specific as well. So when you look around the world, Canada, coming back to Canada, for example, I think Canada, actually, the TSX is attractively valued relative to the US. I think there's a valuation advantage in Canada to the US, where the index is in the US is trading yeah, near its 20-year high. In Canada, we're kind of right in the middle of the range. In Europe, you're right in the middle of the range. Um, the emerging markets is probably, you know, just at the in the bottom half of the twenty year range. So, from a valuation perspective, the international markets uh, look quite attractive. So, um, I think uh, where the asset allocation equities to fixed income perhaps doesn't change going into twenty twenty two. You still want to be overweight equities. You know, not too overweight, but you know, you overweight equities as we were in twenty twenty one. But making sure that you're diversified geographically. Owning the emerging markets, owning international developed markets, um, owning Canada, uh, I think will will serve investors well next year. Terrific! All right, Philip. Well, we've covered the main main sort of areas there. Is, is anything anything else that you think we might have missed or I didn't ask you about? Well, I think the one thing that we we always have to pay attention to 
would be volatility. And we talked about it at the beginning saying, really since March 23rd of 2020, the market has pretty much been in one direction uh, and it's, it's been up. Uh, not only did we recover back to the prior high in February of 2020, but we've surpassed that by over 40%. Uh, that's, you know, that's been a really, really good market. So obviously people start to think about volatility. Well, could we see a correction? Is the market too high? Now, I'll just share with you some of the the work that I've done on this. The interesting thing is that when markets are up strongly, and by strongly, I mean more than 20%, um, you actually have a lower probability. And I'm using the S&P 500, and this data goes back to 1927. But you have a lower probability of a correction in the coming 6 or 12 months than if the market returns are less than 20% over a six or 12 month period. So, you know, momentum begets momentum. People think that a strong market must lead to a weak market. That's actually not the case. A strong market continues to be strong. Nonetheless, I do think a correction is certainly possible. Um, Unpredictable, I think is also key, but advantageous. And I wouldn't be afraid of a correction. It would not surprise me if we saw a correction at any time next year. I don't know when. Um, but if we saw a correction at some point in 2022, um, provided we didn't see any signs of recessionary pressure, and again, I think that's a very low probability for 2022, history shows that if the markets are down by more than 10%, it's an opportunity to buy. So I think in setting expectations, while 2022 is, I think, could be, and this, this seems to be a consensus view, but you know, could be a year of of much more you know, average to below average returns. I think there will be pockets of opportunity to enhance that by by buying some of the dips. And so, investors, I don't think should fear the dips, shouldn't fear volatility, um, because from an economic perspective, things are very, very attractive. From the earnings perspective, things are attractive. And from the valuation perspective, I think things are just going to continue to get better. Thanks for joining us for this episode of WP Talk. That was a really enjoyable chat with Philip. I think he gave a great overview of what might lie ahead in 2022. That wraps up our 2021 on the pod. A huge thank you to everyone who's listened to our episodes. Also, a huge thank you to everyone who's read our stories on the wealthprofessional.ca website. And also a huge thank you to everyone who came to our virtual events in 2021. I hope everyone has a great holiday break. For more WP Talk episodes, go to wealthprofessional.ca, click on the resources tab and select WP Talk. The site also includes all the latest news and views from the industry. And if you haven't already, feel free to sign up to our daily newsletter. I'm James Burton. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of WP Talk. For more on retirement income insights, solutions and expertise for the new retirement reality, visit mckenzieinvestments.com. That's mckenzieinvestments.com for more. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts.